This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing good. How's it going? I'm tired. I'm, and no one trusts anyone. That bad, huh? At least it's not fucking freezing and we're not in Antarctica. Yeah, exactly. Because the day we recorded this, um, it's 80 degrees. Yeah, it's a hot one today. Oh yeah, I'm sitting here, I had to turn my AC off, so I'm like sitting here without a shirt on, once again with the fan on me, just like trying not to sweat, just like wishing for like, it'll be below 100, you know, in the next two hours since the generator's out, it's like, oh, that'd be so nice, just for a minute, <laughs> just run in it for a second, cool off, run back out. <laughs> I, I refuse to watch this movie in the winter a lot of times, because I hate winter so bad, and you know where I live, how much snow I get and everything, yeah. I live scenes from this movie that I don't want to think about in the winter, so like, if we're doing the thing, we're gonna do it while it's still nice out. I kinda like that, cause it was, it's like, it's so hot today, and then I'm watching this, and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is kinda nice. I have done the thing, though, where it's like, a blizzard out, and I'll watch, like, The Shining or The Thing, and it is kinda fitting, but also it's just like, so much cold at once, you almost want to forget about it. Yeah, then you're miserable in real life and in your TV land, yeah. so I, I like to keep it separate. Yes. Well, yes, The Thing from 1982. This is one of those movies that is always on those like best horror movies of all time lists and everything like that. Oh, yeah, and I, it always then cuts to John Carpenter during one of the interviews being like, it was a huge flop. Dude, this movie was an incredibly huge flop, and reviews were, like, not even bad. They were, like, scathing, like... Yeah. And it, like, hurt his career, and later down the road obviously helped him when, like, people came around to it. But, like, he had a three-picture deal with, I think it was Universal or something, that dropped him after the thing came out. This is why he didn't direct Firestarter. He was signed on to do that, and that dropped dropped him and everything it wasn't until christine that he kind of came back so like it really tanked a lot of the things he had lined up because wasn't one of the things that were one of the reasons that this movie tanked is because et came out the ex like exact same time and everyone wanted nice friendly aliens et is attributed to a lot of its success and just like the general mood of the time it's such a nihilistic movie you know what i mean and so when you're presented with two alien movies and everyone's in the mood for happy like that and you're faced with the thing or et a lot of people are gonna like say we want that as our alien movies and look i know like you dislike et like i dislike the peanuts despise fucking et fuck et <laughs> i love et but i'm like yeah i can see why it would have hurt it Oh, because in my, like, at my elementary school, we were, I, I swear we were, like, a decade behind everyone else because we were in bumfuck West Virginia, but, like, all the kids were obsessed with E.T., and I fucking hated it. That's so weird. I don't know a kid our age who was obsessed with E.T. Yeah. I can't get my head around rampant. that. I swear, that we were in, like, a weird, like, pocket <laughs> universe in that goddamn mountain town of West Virginia. Dude, that's insane. It's like, parachute pants! <laughs> <laughs> you're doing parachute pants like people have or bell bottoms even things like that going on still it's in 2000 whatever yeah <laughs> it wasn't until i moved out of that town in middle school that i've learned what an emo or goth person was really 
Yeah, because I I went to middle school in my hem sweatshirt, my rock band like shirt, and one of the kids was like, "Are you emo?" And I was like, "What's that?" That makes sense. Uh, this is all lining up now. I'm starting to get why you're the way you are. Yes. <laughs> so the thing is a loose remake of the movie, a th- the thing from another world, which is an adaptation of the short story. Who goes there? And so this is like three times removed from the source material. Exactly. Yeah, this is it, this is an early remake. This is like in the like early '80s when they just started remaking those like '50s B movies, like this, The Blob, The Fly. You know. Well, the '80s had a real '50s nostalgia, like how we have an '80s nostalgia. So that's why we see a lot of '80s remakes. They saw a lot of '50s remakes. It just repeats itself. But yeah, to the point that like I don't even know if we can call this an adaptation of that original anymore. It's so different. No, I don't think. Well, actually, I'm pretty sure that this is actually closer to the book than the first movie is. Like, I'm pretty sure I've read that before. No, I've never read the book. I'm just going off no, what I've I hear and comparing it to the original movie. Yeah. Which, fun fact, where have we seen The Thing from Another World? Oh, it was in uh, Halloween from 1978, which was also done by John Carpenter. Yes, it was. Real quick, I want to throw this out there. Last month, me and you got to meet John Carpenter. Life-changing yeah. moment. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, it was, and he is not as grumpy as everyone, like, believes he always, like, the reputation he has. Greg got a fist bump? I did get a fist bump. I haven't washed my hands since. <laughs> oh, that's what that smell is. Um, We're not in the pandemic anymore, apparently, so I'm allowed to say that. I said, I just was basically like, thank you for your work, and he's like, you're welcome, and that was it. There was <laughs> one small part where we saw a John Carpenter eye roll because there's a guy up there with every single movie poster from every John Carpenter movie. And he's just like flipping sign, flip sign. And the guy like moved like some of the posters to the side and turned his back to John Carpenter for like half a second. And he just did this, the biggest eye roll. And I'm just nudging you being like, John Carpenter's rolling his eyes. (laughs) This guy literally brought his entire filmography for him to sign. There was that and the lady that was just like a few back from us. Like, John Carpenter's a huge get for a con. You know you're going to be waiting in line. I thought we would be waiting longer than we actually did. Ten minutes into waiting, she's already complaining to the staff, calling them liars, saying that, like, you're letting people go ahead of me. Like, they don't know who you are, lady. Like, why are you thinking they have a grudge against you? Everyone in the line... Oh, it was, it really helped the time go by because like we made oh, yeah. friends with the person in front of us and behind us. And like a couple times we all just look at each other and it's like, oh my God, it's happening again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But that's enough of old versions and John Carpenter, even though well, it was great. I wanted to make sure we mentioned it since it was appropriate. You want to get into this thing? One last thing I want to bring up, and I've only read a couple paragraphs of it so far, and I'm going to read the rest of it when we're done recording. But there's a short story called The Things by Peter Watts, and it's the thing from the thing's point of view of, like, why are all these weird creatures attacking me? Like, they're weird, like, one-form organism. Like, why is the world burning me? And stuff like this. And Like, I just want to get home. I'm an ambassador. Like... That would be really interesting. You said it's a book? It's a short story. It's online for free. I had to check that out. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, The Things, which I can't wait to read the rest of it after we're done, because it's already it's sounding pretty cool. But yes, let's get into this. 
Um, What's your history with this movie? You go way back with it, or did uh, you watch it later? I have pretty back. I think the first time I saw it might have been like middle school, and it's a couple years after I saw The Fly for the first time. And this is another one when I saw it, and I was like, God fucking damn it. I know what gets to me, and it's all this goddamn weird body horror, something getting inside of your body and changing how it is, like... That just, I think that will freak me out until, like, I die. Well, that's a pretty normal thing to be freaked out by, though. It just, I can't imagine, like, something getting inside of you, and now you're not you anymore. Like, do you know it happened? Is it almost like, blink, and you're gone? Are you still in there, like, Reagan inside the demon? Like, help me! Yeah, it poses a lot of questions. Are you a passenger to it, or are you just obliterated? Or is it like a Borg situation of you become assimilated, and you're almost like, oh yes, this is very amazing, I love this. Is that Star Trek? Yes, Star Trek Next Generation. Are they like body snatchers? No, they're like robot uh, uh, android people that like infect? Yeah, infect you. And then you start growing robot things and you become like a part of the hive mind. It's all like a bunch of creatures with one shared mind. Oh, I think I even know about them. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, with the cube. Okay. But we get the classic UFO opening and right into a title card. So UFO crash into Earth and the big like squiggly scratch out the thing coming on the screen. Which and... is a part that I always forget, because this is one that's on television, like, or at least it used to be for a while, so this is one of those movies of, oh, I would catch bits and pieces of it, like, oh, I call it the second half, or I call it the first half, then we had to go somewhere. It's been a while since I've sat and watched it all in one setting, and I forgot about the UFO part at the very beginning. There's a couple movies that do that. I'm always never sure if I like it. You know what I mean? Especially when it's like mystery-ish kind of at first. I always feel like the UFO gives it away too quick. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, it's my- also yeah, but it's cool to see a UFO at any time. I'm a oh yeah, I'm never complaining about that. And then we're at Antarctica in the winter of 1982, and there's a helicopter just chasing a dog. Yeah, there's a uh, the Norwegians are chasing this dog, and he's having the greatest time playing in the snow. Um, and they're shooting at it, and they're flying around, they're circling it, and finally they start throwing dynamite at one point, and then they get to the Americans' base, and they start circling that, and of course they all run out with their whiskey and their guns. They're like, what's going on? Well, of course, they just see a helicopter flying around their base in Antarctica, mind you. You're not used to company shooting down at the ground and throwing dynamite out. Like, I'd be alarmed, too. Yeah, do we get this part before we get the whole, like, chess wizard part? No, that's going on as it's going on, like, at first, before they make it to the base. But, yeah, you just see um, our our hero, McCready, is playing chess against a computer, and he Loses and he dumps whiskey into the computer. Yeah, he's like, fucking cheater. And like dumps a whole glass of whiskey into it and it shorts the computer out. Played by the amazing Kurt Russell. Which Yeah, and he's a carpenter mainstay. Think about this guy's range of him playing this character in this movie. Of he's just so like down and just very like, oh fuck, all the time. Then to go to like Big Trouble in Little China. Where he's just like, woo! <laughs> that was my example of the most polar opposite, too. I'm glad you went there. 
Yeah, <laughs> which is another big trouble. Was another one of those movies that was on TV all the time, and you'd always just catch pieces. Yeah. And now I've I sat down and watched it a few months ago with Anna. It was a fun time. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, so you're seeing like insides of like what life is like on this base a little bit, but then they're interrupted by the helicopter. They go out and the chopper lands and one lights dynamite and just for no fault like not from the alien or anything, just drops his dynamite and he jumps out of the way, but it blows up and blows up the pilot and the helicopter. Yeah, he goes to, like, throw it and does, like, a Three Stooges, like, whoop, and it, like, flies backwards. And then instead of running away from it, he runs up to it to try to dig it out of the snow to throw it again, I guess. But, yeah, like you said, he just kills himself, destroys the helicopter and the pilot, and the other... Oh, no, he survives. He gets away. Like, the helicopter blows up because he goes after, like, the dog still, and he gets brained by the one doctor guy. Well, yeah, there's the one guy that goes after the dynamite and explodes, and then there's also that guy with the gun. Oh, okay. But yeah, he gets too close to shooting at him. Yeah, and he starts shooting at the um, dog, and he accidentally hits the one other guy that's on the American team, and uh, they break out a window. It's like the old West for a second, which makes sense, because John Carpenter's obsessed with Westerns, and like shoots him and in the head and takes him out. And everyone's like, what the fuck was that all about? And the puppy is curling up to someone real quick. Oh yeah. I mean, they just think these people are trying to kill this dog, which was a, I believe Siberian Husky and wolf mix. Okay. Yeah. And they all start already being like, I wonder what caused this. And uh, Blair, I believe is the one that's like, it's cabin fever. Probably it's like, well, they've only been there for eight weeks. And I love the one guy's like five minutes in this place will cause you to go crazy. Dr. Blair, by the way, played by the great Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley, a guy who you would not expect to pop up in a movie we're covering. No, or even the other day, Maxwell shared, like, a Wilford Brimley thing in the group chat, and it's just, like, I mean, because I knew we were doing the thing, it's like, oh, fuck, that's right, he is in the thing, isn't he? It's so fucking weird, and he's really good. I just think about him from Diabetes commercials, where he's on a horse. That's what our whole generation knows him as, the guy who mispronounces diabetes. Yeah, diabetes. But McCready decides he wants to go check out the Norwegian camp, see what the hell's going on, and he has the silliest hat in the world. Oh, I love his hat. And the, if you get the action figure, the action figure comes with the hat. I mean, I guess it's probably to keep, like, the sun out of your eyes, but it's like a giant, like, sombrero-looking thing. It just looks like a sun hat you'd see a girl wearing, like, to Bonnaroo yeah. or something. Yeah, exactly. At the camp, Knowles is cooking and jamming out, and... I just want to bring this up, because this dog is so good at looking ominous and terrifying. Yeah, and there's this, um, I saw, like, some behind-the-scenes talk about this dog, about, like, how well-trained they were and whatnot, where the one scene, the dog has to walk down the hallway, look left into a room, walk a little bit more, look right into a room, look back, and then, like, do something else. He had to do, like, four things in a row, and he did it perfectly, like, three times. Oh, yeah. Best actor. Yeah, but that's, I saw, uh, they described everything they had to do, and even the handlers and, like, the people that do this for a living were like, we're fucking impressed by that dog. Yeah. (laughs) But at the other camp, it's just decimated. There's blood on the wall, there's an axe stuck there, things are burnt, and they find this deformed, burnt-up body that 
they're like, was this suicide? They have no idea what the hell it is. But it's not normal human looking, but just a weird looking dude. I also like the guy that they found. I guess he killed himself, but he fucking got real deep into his neck with that razor blade. But um, he's sitting there in the chair and all of his blood is like frozen because his wrists are slit and whatnot. And they're like, what happened here? The set design's really awesome on this movie. It reminds me of Alien, to be honest. Like, they're really good at letting you know, here's what this place is like at all times. I also want to real quick, and I, we don't always do this, but I love the cinematography in this movie. Done by Dean Cundy, who did Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, this, Hook, which I like Hook. But then, later in his career, he starts doing Garfield the movie. Jack and Jill... <laughs> I mean, that first half you listed is all movies just that are, like, incredibly shot, though. No yeah. matter what you think about any of the movies, you know what I mean? Like, they, the camera work on them is awesome, so that makes perfect sense. But then to go to Jack and Jill, and it's like, stay away from Adam Sandler. Yeah, it's a paycheck, probably. Yeah, he got to go to Hawaii. <laughs> we also have the Igloo Tunnel. Yeah, well, is it an igloo tunnel, or is it just, I think it's just a block of ice that they took out, because later when they're at the spaceship, there's just a perfectly um, cut-out block of ice from the... Oh, uh, that makes more sense. I thought they were burrowing in. Okay. I thought that at first, and then I saw that, and it makes more sense they would, like, cut that out. It's almost like the alien, like, it crashed and then tried to crawl away... And then froze there. That's why it's just a little bit away from the ship. Which is just even more terrifying. Because imagine seeing that movie. Or just that little clip of like this weird thing crawling. And then it just freezes. That makes sense. I never saw the prequel that they put out for this. Did you? No. I heard like that was one that's really disappointing. Because they did practical effects. And then the studio went. Uh-uh, and ruined it with CGI. Which I've seen the CGI in it, and I'm already like, I'm out of it. Like, you've already taken me out of what, one of the big things that made the thing so awesome. I'm waiting for 10 years for it to be a hit, though. Oh, yeah, exactly. And we'll be sitting there being like, (laughs) it's a masterpiece! I'm sure we'll cover it one day. Yeah, we'll get there. But they bring the nasty body back to their camp, and we do get some little scenes of just, they can't reach anyone on the radio. That's just a theme throughout the movie, so they're really isolated here. And Dr. Blair is doing an autopsy on the weird body and can't find anything out. Like, he's like, this is weird, nothing's where it's supposed to be or anything like that. Well, the face is almost two faces, like, in this weird silent scream of it's like a funhouse face. And I do have a question for you. So one of okay. the things is, like, they're, oh, even a tiny cell from the thing inside of you can, uh, infect you and whatnot and make you the thing but they have Blair doing autopsies and covered in the thing's blood okay but I guess he he does turn into a thing later doesn't he yeah exactly he does now I wonder if that's from the autopsy or is that did he get attacked later like they said a cell can infect you they didn't say a cell will infect you is the way I looked at it you know what I mean? Like, it has the potential to, but it's not guaranteed if you touch it that it will. Okay. That's just me. That's my headcanon. I don't know. You'd have to ask John Carpenter. But to me, that's the way I took it. 
I would almost see it as like, because he has gloves on, but they're only to his wrist. Like, there's times where you see he has blood on just his arm. So what I imagine is the cells just soak into his skin, and that's how he becomes the thing. I mean, very possible. I'm not sure. I never actually thought about it. I just assumed one of the infected went up to his cabin at some point. Which it's, this movie leaves so many questions like that, just unanswered. Like, oh, we don't need to answer that. It's just a thing. It's so much fun to play with headcanon with it. Of like, well, I think this. <laughs> yeah, you can have five people watch this movie and they all come away with different explanations. Yeah, which I can't wait until the very end and we can talk about that. Oh yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. But Clark is told to put the new dog in the kennel with the others because it's just been walking around inside the camp with all of them. Yeah, and Clark is acting extremely weird from, like, here on out, but ends up not being one of them. Well, I think he just likes the dog, in general. Yeah. Like, oh, cool, new dog. And then he's mad, he's told to put the dog away, and then he sees some weird shit, so yeah, I don't think he'd be his normal self. Yeah, that, I mean, I guess that makes sense, because if a weird shape-shifting alien killed all my dogs, I would be a little weird. But, yeah, he's like, my best friends are the dogs. I'm surprised he doesn't live in there in that kennel with them. <laughs> I mean, I would. But this is where we get the dog scene after he leaves. Oh, the dog flower. Yeah, so another thing I want to bring up about this movie is it's weird. We have, like, our quote-unquote villain is the alien, you right. know? What does it look like? Oh, it's, there's no way of knowing what the actual... It probably doesn't have an original form. It's probably more like a virus-type thing of, like, it sells. That's it. You know what I mean? It's wild. Like, we all know the thing. We've all seen it, but, like, ask me what it looks like. I'm like, which scene? Because it's different every single time, and I get it. It's cool. But it's just one of those really weird things, like an unseen enemy-type thing and shape-shifting constantly. Not like it changes once in a while. Like, all the time, just different every time you see it. Well, and it's cool, too, because in this movie it plays with, like, well, that's not a shape from Earth. So we're seeing other alien shapes that it's probably dealt with. And it's been a headache for the marketing, like, merchandising department for this movie forever. That's why there's so many, uh, all the things of it is just that guy in the park with the light coming out of his face. Because... The thing doesn't have, it's not like, ooh, like we brought up E.T. before. Every, even though I hate E.T., I know what he looks like. Everyone knows what E.T. looks like. Be yeah. like, what's the thing look like? It's like, slimy? Yeah. Tendrils? You don't know. Take a bunch of Play-Doh, smush it up, like run it through your sink drain, throw it at the wall, that's your thing. Yeah, uh, Google tentacle porn? I don't know. I mean, I will later. That seems like an inappropriate thing to do right now. But I wonder anyway. how many awakenings of that of people were like, ooh. <laughs> of like, so like, like uh, Velma comes on screen and I was like, oh, she's pretty. It's like the tentacle comes out of the dog and someone's like, uh-oh. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> but Clark goes back and he's freaking out and one dog does get out and is biting at the fence and makes his way out. And he, Clark goes back in, sees the monster, and smartly locks it in. Well, yeah, it's the, um, well, he opens the, well, the dog that was jumping at the fence and tearing it open, that one gets sprayed with, like, mystery, like, alien from alien liquid, and just starts, like, dissolving the dog. And then there's another one that, like, escapes, because Clark opens the door, and it, like, runs right past him real quick. But then that dog's just laying there later, like, 
it is just melting and like whining. It's like poor dogs. Like this is like we talk about uh, dogs dying in movies. Every single one of these dogs die. Yeah, apparently they were treated extremely well on set. Like people say, Carpenter is one of the best directors to work with dogs that there is. To the point, even though they just sprayed it, and what they sprayed it with was actually like strawberry syrup and water. But yeah. he didn't even like spray in the dog, and the dog was fine with it. Just licked itself after. But if you notice, they loop that footage back and forth, yeah. like they rewind and forward it, like where the dog gets sprayed. So like they were all taken very good care of on set. But yes. Clark. Goes back and Mac goes, get the flamethrower. And we get this huge shot of like all the dog monsters and everything. Right when they're all outside the cage, Child shows up with the fire. McCready's like, torch it. And of course they do. And it kind of like disappears down a little bit, like breaks down the boards at the bottom of this floor. Yeah, well, it's great because they all like run up there, and I love the thing where like McCready is like an awesome leader, and everyone's just like listen to what he says because he's no nonsense, and he chugs whiskey, and he's Kurt Russell. But <laughs> they run to get Childs, is like get, bring the flamethrower. He's like, why? Because McCready said so. <laughs> yeah. And it is it starts doing this like yeah, everyone like gathers around, and the thing dog creature starts really morphing these giant claws which must be a from another alien thing, like burst through the ceiling. It's like trying to get away. Then they uh, flamethrower it and they don't let it burn. They let it burn for like 10 seconds, not even that. And they immediately put it out. It's like, let it burn for a minute. Well, in their head, they have no idea about the body hopping or anything like that. In their minds, they probably did just find the scientific find of the century. And they are a science crew down there. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Of that's another thing of like, why do they keep fucking with this stuff? Because they're scientists. That's what they do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the morning, Doc is studying it, and he realizes after studying it that it imitates other life forms. And but they got to it before it had time to finish, like assimilating to the dog form. Right. This is where they do another autopsy on it, and he's cutting it open, and there's all these weird like semi-half-formed creatures inside of it and stuff, and they're like, yeah, this is not from Earth. But they're going over the Norwegian tapes, because like, okay, this is something from there, and they find about where they're all standing there blasting the ice with the UFO under it, they go to the dig site and they find it, the UFO, and they said it's 100,000-year-old ice, and those Norwegians blew it up. Yeah, which is insane. It's not like this is a fresh, like, this. the UFO crashed yesterday and whatnot. It's been sitting there for 100,000 years just under the ice, just waiting. Yeah, and those people had to open it up. That yes. movie that came out, like, last year or this year, that The Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt or whatever, oh. The t Time Traveling War, stole the, the Thing's plot so bad when I was really? watching it. Because it was like because of global warming, these aliens that crashed in the ice have now been melted and came oh. out. I'm like, that's the thing. I'm glad I, I, I semi heard of that movie. Glad I didn't see it. I used to love Chris Pratt, like and Parks and Rec and whatnot. Now I see him at, like titled as anything but Star Lord, and I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> that's all. I, no so more. people are still ripping this movie off today. Yeah, but he runs the cell assimilation on the computer. And the only woman's voice in this entire movie is the computer. And it says there's a 75% chance the crew is infected. Someone on the crew has been infected by now. Right. And then he runs the extremely scary 
Um, oh, which, do you know who that computer voice is? It's Adrian Barbeau. Yes, it is. Another Carpenter re- regular. Yes. Uh, uh, old Carpenter wife. Oh, is it? I never knew they were married. Yeah, they were married for a short time. Yeah, then they do the scary analytic of, like, well, what happens if the creature gets too civilized, uh like a civilized area it's like 27,000 hours the entire world will be things yeah it would take over that much and so at this point (laughs) dr blair is like i want this out and he has two guys move the body out of the lab and into the storage room and it's under a sheet it starts like coming alive and everything and moving a bit well, it does the classic thing of, like, two of them carry the body into the room, and, like, as soon as they turn their backs, you kind of see it, like, start to move a tiny bit, and you see, like, blood dripping, and you're like, oh, every part of this thing is a thing, so there's a bunch of things on the ground now, and the one guy's like, you stay here, I'll be right back, and leaves them alone with it. Yeah, but they don't see it moving, that's just us. Uh, yeah. th- that's the guy who's running the radio who leaves. He comes back and he sees Svenning's being attacked like it's wrapped around his throat, all the tentacles and everything. And he runs to tell the others and they hear this alarm going off or they set it off. I don't know if it went off because oh. he opened a door that wasn't supposed to or they pulled an alarm. Kurt Russell broke the fire alarm and pulled it to get everyone's attention. Smart man. But they run outside and kind of surround him and he's not completely assimilated yet. He has these like weird like lobster claw looking arms and everything. And it does, he makes the thing noise, which is fucking terrifying. It's like, oh, like, oh, it's like haunting the sound it makes. It's awesome. Yeah, it's like a weird alien scream type thing of otherworldly. And it's just like, ugh. and they do it throughout the entire movie. And every time you hear it, you do get that like, oh, God. And. Of course, McCready torches him there because it's not him anymore. And Gary is like, I've known him 10 years. He was my friend. He's like, he's not there anymore. And they make a burn pit to torch the rest of them, which is smart. They just use snow and a bunch of kerosene. They're like, fuck the Nobel Prize. We need to stay alive because that's the first thing they started throwing around. Of like, we'll be on Time Magazine. <laughs> I mean, they'd be right if it took yeah. less than, whatever, 270,000 hours to print it. They would. Yeah. But McCready sees Blair running from the chopper, and he goes out and looks at it, and the chopper is just destroyed. All the electronics pulled out, like, torn, smashed. And then back inside, he's (laughs) smashing up the radio and going nuts. And he starts shooting at the crew, and finally they jump him and subdue him, and they think he's just gone crazy. Oh, it's seeing Wilford Brimley with an axe, like, shouting and destroying computers and, like, all their radio equipment and, like, shooting his gun off wildly and, like, keeping Kurt Russell at bay, like, Mr. Big Action Star, get him, beat us, like. (laughs) Well, his reasoning is actually pretty smart. I don't think he's the thing yet. I think he's like, we can't let it get back to land, even if that means sacrificing everybody here. This is why I think you actually you were right about he was attacked later because he's already done two autopsies. So he would have already gotten absorbed that way if he was already the thing. So that makes sense. And he wouldn't stop them from being able to spread the thing. No, he would be like trying to help fix the radio. (laughs) Yeah, let's get to land. I hear it's lovely there. Come on, guys, don't you want to go through a drive through Let's get back to land real quick. Come on, civilized civilization. Yeah, with all the people. 
Those tasty people. <laughs> At this point, Clark is also fine that he's killed the dogs, even because he thinks they're infected. And they're making him quarantine out in the shed. And he's like, I'm not crazy. I'm not like, I know, you just got to stay out here for a little while. And they lock him in. They give him a heater. He says, one more thing. Watch Clark, because they know he spent a lot of time with the dogs, so he thinks he's infected. Right. But they come up with an idea to do a blood test, because I guess they all have bags of their own blood in the fridge in case there was an injury, so they could do a transfusion. And they're like, if we put this, if we combine it with the thing, it'll react, we'll be able to tell. They go to the refrigerator where all that's kept, but all the blood's been destroyed, and there's no damage to the lock, so someone got in there with the key. And it's this huge thing, and it's a it's very tedious, but I, I love these parts in this movie, too, of like, okay, who had access to it? Just me and him. Well, you always have the keys. Well, maybe someone took them from me. Oh, you always have those keys on you. And everyone's already mistrusting everyone. No one is, like, on the same team. It's almost like everyone's, like, looking at the other one, like, a little weird. Like, are you really... This movie does paranoia so well to the point, like, you know, when we watch these movies, like, well, if I was in there, I would not go up the stairs and I'd be fine. You put me in this situation. I don't know. No idea. There's not a smart move. So I don't know. No, I'm going to be McCready and I'm going to go up to my shack that I have my own little shack and I'm going to lock the door with all the booze and just be like, not my problem. As long as it doesn't get me. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone go to your own rooms and stay there. Yeah, or everyone just gather together, and everyone stare at each other. At all times, if we need to go change a light somewhere, we are all going. If someone needs to go take a shit, we're all watching you. Exactly. But, like we said, all the blood's gone, and the guy who's running the radios freaks out, runs away, grabs a gun, and Max stops Gary from killing him, and they're like, well, we need a leader, McCready's put in charge, and they burn all the blood bags in case they're infected. Right. And then Max in the room podcasting by himself. <laughs> he, <laughs> he thinks it rips through the clothes because they found clothing like and it's torn up. So it rips through your clothes, sheds it, and then makes its own like synthetic version. Right. Um, yeah, I do. That is true. He's like doing like one of the first like little podcasts because he's like, I'm going to make this tape and hide it. So there's at least a record of what's going on. And this is where he's saying he can't trust anybody, which no one can. Yeah, we can't trust anyone, and we're all very tired. And then he <laughs> rewinds and tapes over the we're all very tired part. I think he taped over all of the we can't trust anyone, because he doesn't oh. want anyone to find it and know that he doesn't trust them. Right. But the lights go out in the lab, and Fuchs runs outside after a noise, and he finds McCready's jacket. So, obviously the thing knows McCready is onto it, and is now setting him up in, in my head of what's going on. Oh, yeah, the thing is actually very smart. Like, it can adapt extremely well of, like, it's almost like the BBC, I know bring it up all the time, but the BBC uh, Dracula that they just did a couple years ago, when he drinks the blood, he gets, like, that person's memories and, like, knows how to, like, all of a sudden speak French or whatever. It's almost kind of like that of, like, oh, okay, well, this person likes something a lot that's called baseball. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think once it assimilates, it like gets your memories and it can act as you very well and everything like that. Well, that is just to bring up the things by Peter Watts real quick. In the, the couple paragraphs I read, that is a interesting part where the thing is thinking about like, I used to have a lot more memories and I used to be really smart. I just remember when that happened now. Now I'm very dumb. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, so that's smart. I do want to read that. The more you're telling me about it, it sounds cool. Yeah. He runs outside and he finds Max's jacket. McCready checks on Blair, and this is where he's just sitting up in his shed, and then there's a noose hanging, and they're like, how are you holding up? He goes, I'm fine. And he has a noose right in front of him, he goes, I'd like to come back inside now. I sent you a Snapchat of that scene while I was watching it today, because that's like my favorite line delivery in the entire movie, of like, I would like to come back inside now, please. I am okay. As he's like right behind a noose. <laughs> but... He doesn't let him back out, obviously, but he finds Fuchs' burn-up body outside, so what the hell is this? He goes to the shack to investigate, and the main crew is inside, sealing up. He went out with Knowles, by the way, the cook, out to there, and the main crew, everyone left, is sealing up inside. Knowles comes back alone and gives them the shirt with McCready's name. He's like, I think I lost him, but I found this outside, and... Everything's going on. McCready gets in the supply room. Everyone thinks he's the thing for obvious reasons. Oh. And he's holding up the flamethrower with a bunch of dynamite, like, to hold them all back. He's like, I will blow us all up. He's like, fuck all of you. You left me out there. Get the fuck away from me. He, it is 100% of, like, what the fuck? God damn it, guys. <laughs> Dude, he looks so, like, I'm pretty sure he was going to die if he wasn't holding that flamethrower. Oh. He looks so cold. He's, like, has ice all through his beard and hair. His nose is, like, blue. And trembling. this color. Yeah, and the color they play with is so good, not to harp on that. But, like, because it's dark, snowy, there's, like, kind of blue tinge to his face, but the torch going off. It looks so neat right here. It really does. And you feel so bad for McCready because he's like, he's the only one throughout this entire movie that I'm like, he's definitely not the thing. So I feel I don't think he is. Bad. I can't say definitely. I legit well, can't, but I don't think he is either. I, I believe, and I know we'll get there at the very end, but I don't think he's the thing at all. He's the okay. one that's like, I don't, uh, the thing would like get inside of him and be like, this is too much manly energy for me to take. And it would like exit him. <laughs> I also had, because I had a, and I know they don't play with this at all, but you know how, like, they all, they're all chugging hard liquor throughout this entire movie. Even when yeah. they put Wilford Brimley out in the shed, because he's going insane, they give him vodka, yeah, which is technically, alcohol is technically a poison that reacts to your body, and that's why you get the fun feelings. I wonder if the thing took a shot, would it be like, fuck, poison, and be like, Bleh! Dude, this thing can assimilate to any species of body and everything. I'm sure it has, like, the antibodies or whatever it would need to, like, just shed anything like that. Well, I could see that, because it does, like, grow a liver and stuff. But it would be awesome if it was, like, the first time you ever got drunk the very first time. You had, like, you know, two beers, and you're like, woo! It's acting all loopy and stupid and stuff. Like, I love you guys. It's like, I think he's the thing, because he usually drinks, like, a bottle by himself. <laughs> I legit think the thing would know to act drunk, like getting your memories and everything. Yeah. The thing gets in my memories. Like, why does he think about Bella Lugosi so much? <laughs> Who is this Bella? <laughs> but next, Brett, I don't know about you, but this yeah. is my favorite scene in the movie. The testing scene? No, no. The, oh. When Max and they're threatening the dynamite, one guy has like a heart attack and falls over. Just think about all oh. the stress of this like past day. Yeah. I'm surprised more don't. He passed out. They have to go into emergency surgery and they still don't trust Mac. We still holding the dynamite the whole time, but they go in to operate on him. Well, and... they go in to like, like uh, defibrillate him where they're doing yeah, that's the, it. 
yeah. chest compressions and stuff and the breathing of like, one, two, three. And then like, okay, get the defibrillator. And he hits him once. And then he goes to hit him the second time and the giant mouth opens. <laughs> His stomach, like and chest cavity and everything turns into a mouth with teeth. And yeah. he goes down for the second zap. And it opens and bites his fucking hands off. What a wild scene. Look, I've seen it a thousand times, but it doesn't make it like any cheaper when I see it again. I'm like, holy oh. shit. You, it's like Jurassic Park thing. Like, you crazy son of a bitch did it. Like taking off my glasses, looking at it every time. Dude, the fucking mouth is like chomp, 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 nom, nom, nom. Like he keeps chomping on the guy, like severed arms now. And we get the awesome like explosion out of his stomach with all the tendrils and the tentacles. And like the giant weird spider creature like reaches up to the sky and is all like, Bleh! and that's when they burn it again. But like you said, it's. It's almost a shame just to be like, oh yeah, and this happened. Okay, moving on. I want to spend oh, like yeah, half an hour on this. Like Definitely. Because they torch the body and like the head and neck almost like melt off the body and drop onto the floor as they're burning it. So they think they're getting it. But then we get the fucking spider head, which like yeah. legs pop out of the head that is upside down and eyeballs out of the top, the, like the chin area which is now the top of the head, and it starts scuttling around. Man, and all practical, too. How wild is that, looking at this thing? And it, it doesn't look stop-motion or cheesy or anything. As much as I love Basket Case, I'm thinking back to last week's episode where yeah. he's, like, crawling around the room. It's clearly frame <laughs> by frame. It doesn't look like that in the slightest, you know what I mean? No, this must be an animatronic. Because this is another one where I was saying that this must be a another alien creature not from this world because the eyes look weird i don't think oh, yeah. they, it would have experienced a spider in antarctica to like know what spider legs are i believe antarctica is actually the one continent that doesn't have spiders so you're correct yeah but th it's also um this reminds me of stranger things season one when the uh science teacher is sitting there with his date watching the thing and she's like oh god what the fuck and he's like you want to know how they did that it's all melted plastic and whatnot and his date's like what are you showing me <laughs> <laughs> but the spider head doesn't last long because it gets torched too pretty quick well because they're all facing the giant monster that they're just caught on fire. And then uh, they turn around slowly because you're like, away. <laughs> it's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. And so it's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Think how terrifying that would be to see. Like, that would, like, you would just be like, oh, no, 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 when you saw that. Because it's now, it's not, okay, it's one creature that takes over one person. It's like, Oh, so his head became a different creature, so there's just who knows what the fuck is going on now. We thought we were starting to get a little bit ahead, get it? But <laughs> <laughs> but now we're back to square one. Yeah, but they do get it, and they torch that too. And then we have what you said about favorite scene in the movie. We have the blood test standoff, where McCready comes up with this idea where it doesn't like heat. So... They need a sample of everybody's blood. They put it in a little Petri dish and they all cut their thumbs and the three most suspect ones are tied up. That's um, Childs, Gary, and I don't remember the other guy's name. 
Oh, um, I'm not sure either. Sorry. Oh, Palmer. Palmer. Palmer, okay. I know that I can see their faces. Yes, but they test Windows, who's the radio guy, first. He's safe. He goes and tests everyone, a bunch of others. They're all safe. So at this point, like maybe the test just doesn't work. He goes, here's where I show you what I've already known. He tests his own, just goes out. Then Palmer is the last one there. Well, no, I think he still has no. Gary, too. But he tests Palmer's and... Yeah! <laughs> Because it's like the one of the first ones of the people tied up they try is like the thing, and then they have to go back and te- after they're done dealing with this thing, go back and test the other people too, which is great. Of like you'll get the scene of McCready testing the blood and be like, okay, he's safe, and there'll be like scene cut to now that person is holding the flamethrower and helping him. <laughs> How cool is the thing that pops out of the blood container though, like the mini thing? Oh yeah, it's like. Wee! And it's like, yeah, it's just like, it. it's like burning a creature. It's going to react. But it is like just this weird, like, goopy, like the blood just like coagulated and it jumped up. Yeah, and then, like we said, Palmer starts like thinging out. And the other two are tied to the couch with them. Right beside them. And they're all like, get us the fuck away from it. Get us out. And then, of course, the flamethrower won't light right. It's like, it won't shoot. Well, it, yeah, it won't light for some reason when he needed the most, and he breaks free. He kills Window by, like, chomping on his head. <laughs> Throws him aside, but then he's torched, and he runs outside and is blown up by dynamite. Yeah, which is great of the, yeah, he runs outside on fire, and Kurt Russell just throws dynamite at him, and he explodes. Which probably just made a million tiny things now. Yeah, but I think they'll freeze out there with no host. Yeah, they'll just have to wait for someone else to find them and warm them up. But he goes back inside and torches Window's body and then tests oh. the other two. And I love when he tests Gary. He's like, if it's all right with you, I'd like to spend the last moments of my life not tied to this fucking couch! We, I also forgot of where um, McCready's like coming up with this idea. And was it Clark that came at him with the knife? Yeah, you're right, yeah, because they still think he's a thing at that point, yes. And so they test Clark, they're like, we have to test the dead bodies too, and they test Clark's who McCready just killed, and Childs is like, well, I guess that makes you a murderer, huh? He's like, I'm testing you next. <laughs> yeah, it is well, like, he, they call his bluff, they're like, you're not gonna do anything, Clark charges and he just shoots him right in the head. Yeah, which, I mean, they're and they're like, now you're a murderer, it's like, he was about to kill me. So yeah, self-defense. Exactly. I didn't just sneak up in his bed and stab him. <laughs> they go out to give Blair the test, but he's gone. There's no more Wolf yeah. Brimley. And there's a tunnel underneath. They pull up the floorboards, and this looks like an impressive tunnel. It's like, has this always been here? Or did he burrow this tunnel? Uh, no, I think he must have burrowed it. Because it's rather, like... Oh, that's lucky for the thing, that there's just an underground tunnel that leads to, like, a cave (laughs) thing. But he's making a flying saucer out of the blown-up helicopter parts and probably whatever else he can get his hands on. It reminds me of Rick's UFO, like, thing from Rick and Morty, where he's, like, piecing it together, and it's like there's a toaster on it and shit. It's not quite done yet, but it's also super tiny. And there's also Wilford Brimley, which... He's got he ha, he's got some weight on him. 
He's not the skinniest guy they have there. So are they going to shove Wilford Brimley down in this, or is like his head going to detach and go inside? <laughs> yeah, I imagine he'll turn back into goo or whatever when he gets inside. Yeah. But they see maybe Childs, they're not sure, outside, and it turns the power off, and like it wants to freeze again. Why does it want to freeze again? It's not even worried about getting to civilization this time, because it's like, oh, fuck. Like, these uh, creatures have almost stopped me, so my best course of action is to freeze again and try again in another 100,000 years when someone finds me. Yeah, so it's going to freeze them to death, but in the process freezing itself and go back into hibernation, they blow up the UFO, and someone takes a bulldozer into the main building, and they're about to set fire to everything. They start... Just spreading kerosene and gas everywhere, setting off charges, and they realize the generator's gone. And this is, it's exact, because we saw the Norwegian camp, and how the entire camp's, like, blown up, everything was on fire, there's giant holes in the wall. They're doing the exact same thing. Yeah, this, this is how it got that way. Yeah. And they go underground, and they're planting charges to blow the tunnel to wherever it's at. And so at this point, there's Nalls. McCready and his child's with them at this point. They found out he was okay, or no? Not no, not child's. Who else no. is with them? It's just Nalls and McCready. Yeah, I think it's just the two of. I'm pretty sure because child shows back up later. Of like, oh, I That's saw right. I saw Blair run, and I went to go find him, and I got lost. You're correct. Yes, but they're playing charges under there, and they split up for reasons beyond me. But Blair hands. Oh, Gary's still there. That yes. There is three of them. Because he hands Gary's face, like his fingers stretch out all technically and go right into his face, takes over him. Which is fucked up of like, yeah, it just like, it's like the shunting again of just like his, a hand should not be inside skin face. Like. <laughs> and Nulls is split at this point. All we do is hear a scream from him because we never see what happened. They had a big scene planned for it, but it was cut due to budget oh. reasons. Well, it makes sense, because think about the amazing, like, awesome special effects in this movie, and how much money must have gone into all this. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. But then we get, like, a Graboid Tremor going after McCree. Yeah! Because <laughs> Underground is just doing the Tremor thing after him, and he does this cool jumping roll flip thing as it like bursts out of the ground and everything and McCready just goes yeah well fuck you too and throws dynamite at it it's so great and it's just such a great Kurt Russell line <laughs> and the whole station pretty much blows up he's sitting there in the remains that are on fire and child shows up says he was following Blair and it's just both them there's no power there's not even really any shelter left anymore they're standing there by the little bit of fire there is like in the remains of what was once their station. Yeah, and it's also, of course, McCready has a bottle of whiskey with him that he's just slugging, because he's like, why not? I'm dead. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, Child shows back up, and he does the whole, like, story of, like, oh yeah, I saw Blair, then I got lost, and I guess he saw the explosion and made his way back. And they're like, yeah, this fire is going to keep it warm for a little bit, but not for long. He's like, okay, well, what are we going to do now? It's like, I think we're just waiting and see what happens. <laughs> Let's wait here for a little while. Which, I, this is the scene where everyone loves to deconstruct of like, which one's the thing? Is it Childs? Is it McCready? 
I don't think it's either of them. Because one of the things that people always point to is like, oh, you don't see his breath or you don't see his breath. Yes, you do. Yeah, you see both. You see their breath. Watch like, the I could see. Nice like, crisp Blu ray copy for this watch. Yes, you do. You see both. I, you could see in the VHS copy. Maybe you wouldn't see the breath. Yeah, the nice crystal clear 1080p picture. There's breath. Yeah. So you don't think it's either of them? No, I would. I'm going with neither one of them is the thing. I'm honestly with you. I don't think either one is, but their paranoia will not let them work no. together, and they both are going to die. Not on the list. But I'm saying they're both going to die. Yeah, and because they're in the middle of this windstorm, they already said they haven't been able to reach anyone in two weeks, like winter setting in. They were already planning on just bunkering down into the spring. Like, yeah, they're goners. Yeah. And, and credits, and that's the thing. Holy shit. Like, so glad we finally got to this movie. I love it. I love that I finally like got to sit down after I don't know how many years and actually watch it from start to finish. Oh, it's a nice time to watch like that. Also, every time in this episode, you kept saying Mac and like sometimes you'd say Mac, sometimes you say McCready. I kept thinking of Mac from Always Sunny being in this movie. <laughs> He's like flexing at the thing. <laughs> they call them both in the movie, so I tried to keep that spirit going in the podcast. But yeah, every single time you said Mac, I just thought of Mac. <laughs> <laughs> and so this movie's a wild one. Is there anything you would change in it? Like mm. if they brought this to you, hey, punch this up a little bit. Well, because of course I want to be like, oh, I want to know like when the exact moment everyone turns into the thing, I want to know the backstory don't. of the thing. But exactly, because it lets you, I'll be thinking about this movie two days from now. And I exactly. love that. It works so, so no, I wouldn't change a thing. My only thing is, I'd like to know more of the crew. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't help me if I don't know what their mannerisms are like to know right. they're acting weird. You know, I'd, I have no way to gauge that. I'd rather, like, us have a little more time with them at the beginning, just being themselves, maybe see who gets into an argument with who, who likes to do what. And then you can plant a few more little things throughout the movie, so I'm like, well, he's acting weird. Yeah, like, maybe, like, McCready and one of the other ones, like, really hate each other. And as soon as the other one becomes the thing, it doesn't know to hate him exactly. Like, maybe they just had an argument. So, he's like, yeah. hey, buddy! Or, like, simply, like, at dinner, like, oh, I don't like ketchup. And then, like, yeah. as an example, and then the thing, you see, like, one of them infected eating, like, something they don't like. Something like, a little like that, you know what I mean? Just I like, cannot wait for my human food. And just squeeze it out, an entire bottle of ketchup on a plate. Everyone's just like, uh-huh. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Just something a little like that, like, it'll be more fun to, like, play along with it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Alright, but you want to get to the end of episode stuff? Yeah, so let's get into the Count of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. Alright, the throwing with horror count of the deads where we tally up the deaths in the movie. Where do you think we got with the thing? I did not count Childs or McCready. Right. And did not count the Norwegian crew except for the two we saw. Okay, yeah, because we're not... Well, and there's a... Did you count the guy that killed himself in the chair? I did not. We just saw him as a frozen body. I count okay. that more as a discovery than anything else. Okay. I'm glad you asked questions, though. Very helpful. I, I was trying to think about, like, how many were on the crew. I try not to, like look at a list or anything I try to remember. Uh, I don't know, I want to almost say six. Six? Yeah, it's probably more, but I'm going to say six. Double it. Twelve. Wow. Nice. 
Yeah, there's a good bit in the thing. That's good. I was trying to remember how many were on the crew, and I was like, I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, we we got twelve deaths in the thing. Very nice. That's great. Scout of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. And we're getting into my ratings from Dimension Z. Uh, which is actually thundered in real life like 30 seconds ago outside. <laughs> oh, did it? It's not here. Yeah. It looks stormy. It hasn't hit yet. Uh, basically, I take something from the movie and I rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. And I won't come up with that thing until right now. I'm going to do... People the thing would turn into. Okay. Okay, so like you're the thing, and you're like, okay, I turned into this person. And it's either gonna be all really awesome or really bad. Alright, so body swap and like who you can impersonate? Yeah. Where like you show up in civilized area, and if you're a number one person, everyone's like, get him! And you're immediately like killed or like taken (laughs) into custody. Okay. Um, so a number one version of a person the thing would not want to become the worst kind of person. It's like Jared Fogle. Yeah, I would. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. Of the thing is just like, oh, he's must like, he's a subway ambassador and blah, blah, blah. Like <laughs> he's well known and he takes one step on the street and everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say a number, let's see a number 10 version of a person. The things, the thing's going to want to really be this person. Um, I almost want to say like a, like a national leader, like the president or like King Charles or something of like, because you know, like there's certain, like the people were just like, Oh, um, the president's like, okay, everyone go outside. And, uh, everyone has to open mouth kiss. Just just, like somehow to get the thing to transform, like from person to person, you know, there'd be some people that'd be like, okay, I was going to say a hooker, because not only do you see people, but you see oh. them behind closed doors, so no one's going to yeah. interrupt the assimilation, and that's it. That's really good, too. I, I just thought of it's like the um, One Tree House of Horrors, where the two aliens become like the two presidential candidates, and it's like, <laughs> well, you have to one of us! <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give the thing 10 out of 10. This is a fucking, like I said earlier, it's a perfect goddamn movie. The tension is so awesome. It's extremely well written. It makes you ask a million questions, but not in a the movie's dumb way. And the movie knows what it's doing, and it actually adds to it. Yeah, definitely. I tried to put a lot of thought into this, because my instant thought was, give it a 10. And then I'm trying to think. Because I did say some things I would minorly change that could make it more fun. But I still think it's so strong on its own, it gets a 10 people the thing would change in 2 out of 10 for me. Awesome. Which puts it into the Throbbing with Horror Hall of Fame, which is any movie that gets a 10 from both of us, which the current Throbbing with Horror Hall of Fame is Halloween, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Hereditary, Trick or Treat, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Fly, Dracula, Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead, Scream, and The Thing. Nice. Which, the special effects alone, I think, puts it in a 10. Oh, definitely. Dude, I'm going to have to start chopping that list up and just say, like, this year's Hall of Fame. Yeah. That's starting to be a mouthful for me to say. I'm just going to start saying 10 on every one so you keep having to add more. Well, I'm not going to put 10 on every one. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I need to assimilate you. I mean, obviously, well-deserved for the thing, and 
uh, yes. a rating probably most of you saw coming. Yeah, and which it just still baffles me of people in 1982 were sitting there like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, like, how can, how? Even if it's not what you were looking for, like, I wanted something more positive. Like, there's times, like, I'm like, man, that was a downer of a movie. I didn't want to watch that, but I still know it was good. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, that, like, that's what blows my mind. Train spotting is extremely depressing. Still an amazing movie. Yeah, believe me, I don't watch Hereditary on the regular, but <laughs> but believe me, it's a fucking masterpiece, but oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's like I put on for easy watching. No. No. Yeah, but, oh, by the way, that was our kickoff for year three of Throbbing Ooh. with Horror. We tried to always pick a good one to close and start the years with. Yes, going into year three, which is weird to say. Yeah, it's nice. And October's right around the corner. Something extremely special coming this October. There's, there's literally one more episode before October after this. When do we tell them? Or do they I mean, find by out? The, <laughs> by the time this episode's up, they know. So yeah, I guess, fuck it. We're doing 31 episodes in October. Yes. An episode every single day. So, I mean, here's the thing. The last episode of this month, Phantasm 2, comes out on September 30th. So it's really 32 episodes in a row. Yeah, of which we've been working on this for a while now, being able to get all these episodes recorded and together. I've seen like a lot of people love to do, they're like, oh, what's your watch list for October? Here's a perfect way. If you don't exactly know what to do, there's a wide variety of stuff in there. There's stuff from all different decades, black and white, comedies, horrors, you know. Yeah, we have uh, we tried to put the biggest variety possible of movies you'd want to watch around Halloween. So I hope you guys dig it. Believe me, we put a lot of work for a long time into this thing. Yes, yeah, so please enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so that's coming up real soon. And unless you have anything else, man. No, that's all I got. All right, well, we hope that the thing has left your brain throbbing with horror. This brings to close another episode of Throbbing with Horror. But fret not, friends. Another episode will be coming next week. Same time, same place. Be sure to check us out on all the social medias. Just look for the Throbbing with Horror Pumpkin wherever you find your quality social media.